using the same portion as I made earlier. So you do it in English this morning also. I don't know about you, but I'm really looking forward to this month of April. Thank you, Alan. You and friends who are here and blessed us and sharing with us in a great and a, and a wonderful way. It's amazing what a little sunshine will do. We've got everybody right over here. 
I planned to speak from up there tonight, and I thought, well, I'd just get you right in here. But at that particular time, the sun was really uh, doing it, and you look pretty good in the shadows anyway. And uh, the music tonight, Alan has just blessed us in such a wonderful way, and his friends. And if you caught the thread, no, more than a thread, it was a good-sized rope that went through all of the music that we've had tonight, been dealing with praise for God. The doxologies of life are wonderful things. To be able to say thank you, that's what doxology is, glory to God. It's simply stopping long enough to say thank you. Thank you. You know people who have difficulty saying thank you? I do. They may feel it, but they have some kind of difficulty. And there are some few that I've met along the way that don't ever feel thankful to others. Somehow, everything that has come to them has been their right and just due. And they're never really thankful to God or to anybody else. In the Old Testament, the word hallelujah is the great word. Praise to Jehovah God. In the Old Testament, it's praise to Jehovah. And over and over again, like a wonderful refrain, that's what we have. In the New Testament, it's a little different word. But it's a beautiful and a wonderful word, and that's the word that Jesus used very often, and that's the word blessed. Blessed. When we bless the name of God, in thankfulness for his goodness. When we thank others for their goodness to us in helping us along the way. I hadn't planned to do this, but I'm going to. You know, always the uh, spontaneous things in life come along and sometimes, sometimes we'll add a little zest. I want you to find, if you brought your Bible, you probably have a slip of paper in it. Uh, with some blank space. If not, uh, uh, Finance Committee, forget that I said it, but find one of the cards in the pew rack that's meant for something else and uh, where you can just write something down. Will you do that? Everybody, now, don't just look at me. I, I'm saying this for everybody, and I'll do it myself. Get my, my pen out. Look around. If you didn't bring a pen, there's pencils sticking around somewhere. You're perfectly free to get up and sort of uh, find one. I want everybody to have pencil and paper. That's you too, Emmett, sitting back there with the controls. Okay. All right. Everybody with pencil and paper. Now, what I want you to do on that pencil and paper, I want you to put in the left-hand column one, two, three, kind of small up at the top of it. And draw a couple lines under that one, two, three. And then put another one, two, three. I hadn't planned to do this. I'm sort of making this up as we go tonight. I can't count any higher than that. That's one reason I get there. That first one, two, three. Out of what I hope would be a million different things, I want you to think hard, not pull it off just the top of your head, deep down in your heart, pull it out. Three things that you thank 
God for most. Is this being recorded, Emmett? I if it was, I just thought we'd probably tell anybody that might be listening we're doing our work. Three things. What are three things that you would say to God, you were to stand before him and say, these are three things, Lord, I want to thank you for? Write them down. The second three, write down three names, three names of folks who have been a very special blessing to you in your spiritual pilgrimage. Somebody that you know well or knew well, somebody that knows you well or knew you well, three people that if you could tonight, you would like to look straight in the eye and just say, thank you for what you've meant to me. Three people. Well, I've written my list, and I'll keep it my list. You have yours, and I want you to keep it yours. But I would like for you to act on it. And sometime before you go to sleep tonight, when you talk to the Lord, why don't you just talk to him about those three and things that you thank him for. And somehow or other, if I was a betting man, I'd bet you that the three will multiply. And you'll be surprised as you begin to think on and on and on of all the good things God has given. And for that second list of the three, for folks who have blessed you and you would like to say to them, blessed are you because of what you've meant to me. If they're still living, why don't you make plans to, if you can call them, call them. If you need to write them, write them. If they've gone on home to heaven, why don't you just talk to the Lord and thank him for them? The doxologies, the praise gods, the thank yous of the Christian life. There are three scriptures tonight I want us to look at, and all dealing with the doxologies, with the praise to God comes from the Christian life. And once again, Alan, thank you. And I'm looking forward to this whole month of your leading us in our worship. But thank you tonight for these hymns that you've pulled together that tell us of praise 
to God. There's the praise that comes from the recreated life. We're born as human beings. We had no choice in our parents. We had no choice in the genes that flowed into our lives. We had no choice at all. It came to the place of our birth or the time of our birth, and we were born. We were born. A human mother and a human dad and, and all the ancestry that, uh, that as I get older, I'd like to know more about might explain some things as far as my life and my children are concerned, uh, to know something about the rivers and the tributaries that have flown into their, my life, into their life. But the doxology that comes from the Christian life comes from the recreated life, not just the created physical, biological existence that we have, but the recreated life the born-again life. Jesus put it very simply, you must be born again. And I don't know much about your politics, and I don't care much about your politics. I just remember that when Jimmy Carter was president, the press had a field day when he talked about being born because they didn't know what he was talking about for the most part. And they made fun of him, and they laughed. And suddenly, born again became a term, a secular kind of a term, for any kind of a new something. But I thank God for a man of Christian strength and character like a Jimmy Carter in the Oval Office. And I wish I could match him up with some others of great political uh, stature and persuasion and have the kind of president I really want there. But he was a man who knew and knows what the recreated life is all about. And he wasn't ashamed to talk about being born again. Peter wrote, 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. How is it possible for us to be born again? Because we designed it, because we wanted it, because we prayed for it, because we banged on heaven's door so much that God finally got tired of us and said, okay, I'll save you, shut up. Not at all. The only reason we know the born-again experience is because he, in his abundant, overabundant, is the word in the New Testament, the overabundance of his mercy. It literally flowed out of him. It was not just a little bit of his mercy that he took from a side pocket of a robe. It was not just a little pinch of mercy that he took off uh, out of a box off of the shelf of heaven. But the word that's used here is the overflowing abundance of his mercy that gushed out of his very being into the world in which we live. The overabundant mercy of God. There was not a time in your life before you became a Christian you knocked on heaven's door and begged to be saved. Rather, God surrounded you by the presence of his Holy Spirit 
with a thousand different influences that would cause you to think of him and to want him. The superabundant mercies of God. And if that won't make you sing or croak or shout or do something to say, God, I love you, then we're pretty sorry folk. The superabundance. He begot us. He birthed us. He recreated us. He moved us from the physical to the spiritual realm of existence. We didn't do it. You haven't got enough of whatever it takes to do it. There's not enough mercy. There's not enough grace. There's not enough want in you or me. Let us ever begin even to measure up to this matter of being born in the likeness of God. But God created us to be like him. And God created us for fellowship with him. And God created us that we might live forever with him. And God in his eternal plan, long before you and I ever arrived on the scene, God worked out his plan so that going down the sinful road, we could do a U-turn. That's what repentance is, just a, taking a U-turn in the journey of life and walking not only toward God, but with God in the resurrected Jesus. You see, we ought to shout and we ought to sing and we ought to talk and we ought to say and we ought to live and we ought to smile in the blessing and the doxology of the Christian life because Peter says here, he hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, a living hope. There are just too many dead and half-dead Christians. And I want to be honest with you. I've, I've always tried to be honest as I have stood behind the sacred desk that I've met a lot of folks who call themselves Christians, that if I wanted to judge whether I wanted to be a Christian by the way they've talked and the way they've lived and the way they've behaved, the way they've acted toward God and toward others, other fellow Christians, I wouldn't want to be a Christian. But thank God, he puts before us the picture of the resurrected Lord Jesus, of his only son. And it's a living hope, a lively hope, an exciting hope, a victorious hope. You see, that's the wonder of the Christian life. It's not something dead and stayed and we need our formalities. We need our traditions. Traditions are good because traditions do help tie us to a past, but help us to know that the past has simply prepared us, as we talked about this morning, to live today and to live a better tomorrow. And so if you know the Lord Jesus as Lord and as Savior, there needs then to be the cry of blessed. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless your name. Hallelujah. That's the Old Testament word. Thank you, John, for singing it so beautifully. Of the recreated life. There's the doxology for the Christian of the revalued life. 
the other day I drove over to the Bellevue Mall, pulled into as close a parking spot as I could get, and right down where I wanted to drive, somebody had uh, set a beer bottle out of their car and had driven off. Well, number one, they're litter bugs. Number two, I could surmise that the individual who did that is not the individual who has to buy tires for his own or her own automobile. The revalued life. The Christian life ought to constantly be going under a re-evaluation, a re-examination. Now, I knew that my boys, one of them being your pastor and my pastor, there was a fair amount of time in particularly my boys' life when I knew that they just didn't care a thing in the wide world for their clothes. How'd we know that? All you had to do is look in their room. A little pile over here, a little pile over there, and a little pile over there, something else under the bed. You take care of that which you value. You nurture that which you put a value on. Now, the Christian life, as the constant evaluation of our lives, Simply to say to the Lord, Lord, am I on the right track? Lord, am I doing it the right way? Lord, am I, am I a good influence for you or am I a bad influence for you, Lord? As we try to revalue our lives in the light of Jesus Christ and his mercy for us, I think we must constantly ask ourselves, Lord, am I the kind of Christian that lives amid amidst people where they will put a value on you and what you've done for me and what they see in you in my life. The doxology, the praise, the glory, the blessedness that comes out of the revalued life simply means we put the priorities where they ought to be. You can't always do that. It seems I haven't been able to do it, but you've got to keep working at it. Constantly, we have to work at the job of, of reprioritizing our lives. The old devil is at much at work in my life and some of your lives as, as he is in a drunkard down on the, in the gutter. You see, the devil knows that God is robbed of glory when those of us who are Christians act ugly toward other Christians. And when we put little value on our help for others. One of, the, one of the sweetest terms in all New Testaments is a matter of brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters in Christ. And anywhere you go in the world, isn't it wonderful, Medellin's, when you lived in Japan and when you ministered over there? Brothers and sisters in Christ, born into a different culture, Dressing differently, eating differently, sleeping differently, working differently, thinking differently, but coming to know Christ.
brothers and sisters. And it's wonderful all over the world, all over the world, to meet boys and girls and men and women who've had a common experience of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, by this shall Nashville know that you are my disciples. That you what? That you love one another. Anytime you do not love your brother or your sister in Christ, you rob God of glory. There is no doxology in your life. The brother and the sister in Christ is to be the recipient of the revalued life. The doxology of the revalued life. Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Boy, if we stood here long enough and you sat there long enough, we could be here till dinner time tomorrow night just looking at every one of those individual words because they're so rich and so full. The revalued life. The revalued life. There are no, there are no marked down Christians. We're selected, we're adopted, we're accepted, we're redeemed, we're enlightened, we're enriched, we're sealed in the Holy Spirit. And when we stop long enough to think about any one of those things, then our lives must be an expression of the doxology of the Christian life. When we really began to re-examine our lives and to re-evaluate that which God has given us, and when we recognize the true ownership of things as it relates to our life, then suddenly the revalued life causes us to start living a different way. When an individual constantly says, mine, not thine. You know that individual has not walked with Jesus lately. When an individual says, my life, God, keep your hands off. I'll make this decision about business matters. I don't care what you think. I'll make this decision about where I live and how I live and how I spend my money. Don't talk to me about that. God, what's mine is mine. Keep off. That's not the doxology of the Christian life. We've got a lot of church members, a lot of church members who sing Alan, that hymn, and I always kind of cringe when we sing that line in that hymn that says, 
not a mite would I withhold of my silver and my gold. And people sing it so sweetly and glibly who argue with God about giving God that which he says is his. God says the tithe is mine. And if you've been living your retirement on God's tithe, if you've been buying your cars with God's tithe, been paying the mortgage with God's tithe, been going down to the grocery store with God's tithe, you've been buying your insurance with God's tithe, been taking your vacation on God's tithe, then you're robbing God. Now that's what he says. The revalued life. Christian life knows the difference between mine and thine and seeks working at the task with the power that only the Holy Spirit can bring and can give. It helps us to quit saying, me, 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 mine, 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 but to seek constantly in a new, fresh experience to seek to know what his will is for the day. There ought to be praise when we think about what God's done for us, when he saved us, when he sent his son, when his sinless, wonderful, only begotten son lived on this earth, died on that cross, buried in that grave, arose from death, ascended into high with a promise to return, and all of that a part of the way that God worked it out for you and for me to belong to him. We, who are Christians, have been recreated in the likeness of Jesus. And as we re-evaluate our lives along the way, maybe we'll stop frowning so much and smile a little more and maybe we'll not discourage folks, but we'll become encouragers as we reevaluate our Christian lives. There is the doxology. What's a very popular word today, and that's what I put for this one, and that's for the recycled life. We live in a recycling age. I heard a sociologist say, oh my, it's got to be 40 years ago now. He said, one of these days, America is going to drown, literally drown in its own garbage. And have we ever lived to see that day? When some of the biggest arguments that can come for a city, for a municipality, for a metro area is what? Where we're going to dump the garbage. And when some of the worst things that can happen along the East Coast is when the terrible garbage of New York City gets on barges and floats down the coast to be dumped off somewhere else. Recycling is the thing. Need to recycle all that we can. So I thought, yeah. There ought to be 
the blessing to God, the praise to God, the hallelujah to God that comes out of the recycled Christian life. Say, well, where in the world do you find anything like that in the word of God? Well, Paul had something good to say about most everything, Alan. And when he wrote over to the second, the, his second letter that we have, actually, we sort of think it's the third letter. We, did, we think there was a first letter, but we don't have it. And so 1 Corinthians is really a 2 Corinthians, and 2 Corinthians is really a 3 Corinthians. But that doesn't make any difference. God gave us what he wants us to have. And so Paul writing in the 2 Corinthian letter, that which we know is a 2 Corinthian letter, Verses one, uh, three and chapter one, verse three and four. Blessed be God, praise to God, hallelujah to the name of God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. There's your word. Circle the word comfort. The God of all comfort, who circles comforts us in our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort those in any kind of trouble with the same comfort we ourselves have received from God. God's been good to me. Six times I've been privileged to visit and to walk and to study in that area that we call the Holy Land where Jesus was born, lived and ministered, walked. And one of the things that cannot fail to impress any almost casual visitor is the fact that when you go up in the Galilean territory and you stand by the Lake of Galilee and you remember that there the fishing boats went out and they still go out. They're just motorized now. And it was there around that Lake of Galilee where the storms would suddenly blow down out of the hills and bring the tempest. And it was there in the Lake of Galilee where the fish would grow and the fishermen would go out and where Jesus said, hey, you guys catching anything? I'm going to give you something better to catch than fish. From the wonder of the Lake of Galilee, it's fed by what we call the Blue Jordan that's to its north. But the Jordan then flows out of the Lake of Galilee. And do you know what the word Jordan means? It means the descender. It descends. It drops down. There's a difference in the level. The Lake of Galilee, abundant, full of fish, beautiful. And the descender moves out of it. And it drops down to 1,300 feet below sea level. And then the Dead Sea, or the Salt Sea, is 1,300 feet on down. And while there's fish up here, 
It's dead down here. The rain that comes, the blue Jordan that flows into the Lake of Galilee, replenishes it, keeps it fresh. And what does it do? It recycles. It sends out. And it's not the Lake of Galilee's fault that the salt sea lets it die. But the Lake of Galilee is recycling its blessings. And now where the river descends and before it reaches the Dead Sea, there's green along the side. You know, the Bible says where the river flows, there's life. Where the river of life flows for us, there's spiritual life to recycle. Now, what in the world did I go into all that for? Simply to say that your life and mine can be characterized either that we have lived our lives and we are currently living our lives like the Lake of Galilee or like the Dead Sea. You're one or the other. If you take the comfort that God has given you in those times and moments of your life when you needed only what the hand of God could do in your life and you praise him for that, and you recycle that comfort, and you comfort others in their times of need. And you become the most wonderful recycler of all of history. And so the plea, the plea of the scripture is in the, the doxologies of our lives. The Dead Sea, the Salt Sea does not sing praise to God. What about your life and mine? Has anybody poured a word of comfort and blessing to you when you've needed it? Has anybody been an extra special kind of friend when there's been a time of need in your life? Well, what have you done with it? Have you just stored it away? You just put it in a jar with a tight lid on the top? Or have you been open to the direction of the Holy Spirit of God so that when people around are hurting, you can take the comfort wherewith you have been comforted of God and comfort those who have need? Oh, that's the praise of the recycle. I haven't always done that. I've tried to, and I want to do better at it. I don't want to stop living my life. I didn't want to stop living my life when I retired from the Sunday school board seven and a half years ago and then went with the Baptist World Alliance. I didn't want to stop my life when I stopped my travels for the Baptist World Alliance. I didn't want to stop my Christian life when I reached 70 last November, I'd like to keep on recycling what God's given me and reaching out to those 
who need what only God can do for them. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. If you've never needed the comfort of God, then you ought to praise him that you haven't needed it. If you have needed it, you ought to thank him that he's given you the comfort so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the same comfort we ourselves have received from God. I hope that if God gives you and me another week before we gather on another Lord's Day back in this place, I hope that every one of us will take our little lists, our spontaneous lists, and talk to God and sing his praise, and talk to those who are still alive who've blessed us and comforted us and helped us along our spiritual pilgrimage. And I hope we'll stop long enough through the week to rejoice in our new birth, rejoice in the new value system that he's given us, and to rejoice in the privilege of comforting others in Christian service. Help somebody this week. Lift up somebody this week. Cheer up somebody this week. If you do, you'll be acting like Jesus. Alan, let's sing. Hymn number 305, I have decided to follow Jesus. Good decision, best we ever made. As far as I know, everybody in the room has made that decision at some point in life. Each one of us could stand one by one, give our testimony as to when and where we made that decision to follow Jesus. Great and glorious moment. We say, well, what does this invitation have to do with me then? Simply that maybe while we sing it you mentally will drift back to where you made that decision and ask God to reaffirm you for the next day in the journey let's stand and sing however God leads you to respond to act, to do, to say the time is yours
Staying, would you dismiss us please in prayer? <laughs>